You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. We are gathered here as advisors, as scientists. The kind of place we expect a ghost to like to Welcome to Mission Spooky. I'm your fantastic host, JC. With me today, as per usual, the queen of everything herself, Kiki, and our local cryptid enthusiast, Cord. How are you guys doing today? Marvelous. I'm great. Lots of enthusiasm there, guys. Lots of <laughs> enthusiasm. Yeah, great. <sighs> I have a new mic. I'm really excited. I hope it I hope that people can tell it sounds a little bit better the last two episodes my mic was starting to go and it got a little fuzzy off and on and there was not a damn thing i could do about it so except to buy a brand new microphone and i got a brand new keurig machine so i'm awake (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) y'all you know you can make tea though in a keurig machine before Spooky season is over. I do have to find time to get back to the one store where I saw that they had hot apple cider K-Cups. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I was like, this is the reason why I'm going to buy a Keurig. Because <laughs> I usually don't drink coffee. <laughs> so, speaking of it being fall, I I did my annual watching over the garden wall this past week. I don't want to talk about it. Don't worry, Kiki. Don't don't get ready to delete this entire segment. I see you over there. Watched a tremendous amount of shows, which I'm waiting to talk about during our actual movie review segments. Oh, my God. I'm going back through Universal Monster Movies. I've reinvigorated my love of Peter Cushing. Oh, yeah. Curse of Frankenstein. I watched that for the first time. That was a good movie. But... If you follow us on Instagram, which you should be, Spookster Squad, I am inspired by our friend Logan's podcast named Godzilla Destroy All Podcasts, and I'm watching all the Godzilla movies in order. That sounds like a task. It, uh, you know what? I will be, I'll be honest. I skipped the very first Godzilla because, I mean, I, you know, I've seen it a bajillion times. I own it. I skipped over Kong, uh, Godzilla versus Kong, the original version. I was like, eh, I don't really need to watch that one. And I skipped over the abomination of the film called uh, All Monsters Attack because it's so fucking terrible. I only needed to watch it once in my entire life. <laughs> I just finished Hedera. Oh, and I, I hated it. I love Hedera. Fucking hate that movie. That's one of my favorite Godzilla movies. All right. Okay. Now, I'll give you this. It has a few moments. I'm just going to say this part because Cord mentioned I'm. Remember, you do like Hedera. There's the the girl like that's in the band and she's dancing up on stage. Okay. Yeah. You with mm-hmm. me? And she's yeah. wearing like a skin tight, like one piece suit outfit type thing that has like fish and sea creatures and stuff all over it, right? Yes. And is it just me that noticed like where her crotch is is a giant clam? I will have to go back and look at that. Because and I was make like, sure. What the fuck? That's very funny. <laughs> whoever, whoever, 
whoever made that that's <laughs> that's giant that's a giant clam on her but jj that's great that movie is a trip i love hetera i love the hetera movie because it's so weird it's bizarre yeah hetera is one of my favorite kaiju because i love sludge monsters and i was like man it was Ghidorah for the longest time i was a Ghidorah fanboy but then I watched Jet Jagger, yeah. Jet Jaguar movie, and I was Jet like, Jaguar. now Jet Jaguar's my man. And then Hedera just squeaked past him after I watched that movie because I just love him so much. There's a poop monster. There's psychedelic freaking dancing montages. That's a good movie. It's insane. <laughs> it's a good time. It's a trip. <laughs> Not, we, 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 we should do that we should do these godzilla films like separately and have logan come on and like just because he's not actually doing the movie reviews they're doing something a little bit different they're just focusing on the creatures and like the history behind the creatures and, and more of the historical stuff about ah. the reviews. yeah so very cool, very cool. i am there, interested there's our plug there's our plug because i don't really have a promo for today this is an extra episode for you guys for spooky season so we have music but we don't we don't have a promo set up for today so there you go my promo is for that that one go watch it and of course if you've also been following us on instagram and tiktok you know forced i'm sorry we didn't force you guys voted on jc to watch birdemic and he did it he did it and i did it too i got dumber watching that movie my intelligence went down. Oh, man. I'm so happy. Guys, he's now on the negative two. <laughs> I am. I am. I'm happy that I'll never do it again. I'm happy that it's done. It's out of the way. I took my notes. I sent you guys the videos of me commenting, commenting on it. You know, it's it was. I hooked somebody else into watching that movie. I've watched that movie so many times because how? Because I love horrible movies. I have to be in the mood for them. But when I'm in the mood for them, Birdemic is the way to go. People always walk up to me and go. Oh, the room's the worst movie ever made. Like surface level fucking bullshit. I know the room's yeah. bad. I know the room's hilarious. It is not even close to the worst movie ever made. I'd agree. I watched the room and then yeah. I watched this firestorm of a shit show. Whenever anybody says, Oh, the the room's the worst movie ever made, I go, Oh, bet. I could top that without even fucking trying. I won't even pull out a fucking movie I have never seen before. I'm going to go with the tried and true. We're going to throw out Birdemic. We're not even going to pull out a Titanic 2 because I haven't technically watched that one yet. Wait, Titanic 2? How did they have a Titanic? I'm going to have to watch it. Let's just say it should have been called uh, Titanic 2. We done did another one. (laughs) We done did another one. I like it. (laughs) I don't know. I never watched the movie. I go with Birdemic because wowie. It was it was a dumpster fire of a movie. We'll do upcoming like an actual review on it. I I will be forced to try to critically analyze it, which might actually be worse than watching the movie. I'm going to have to watch it again. And it sucks. It sucks so much. I hate it. I recommend the movie. <laughs> 12 out of 10 stars right do recommend i give it an f everybody should watch it <laughs> i absolutely hate it 10 out of 12 stars uh would not watch again recommend for everyone wow <laughs>
Definitely, definitely uh, some mixed messages. Just like the fucking plot of that movie. I'll get into it when you review it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was so mad. It took everything in me to not, like, just bitch to every person I saw the, within the next 24 hours. <laughs> it's like, hey, have you seen Birdemic? What? Have you seen Birdemic? No, what are you talking about? It's garbage. Go watch it. <laughs> so that I can complain to you about it. It's one of my life goals to like make as many people watch that movie as I possibly can. Well, Cord, now you're on a podcast. You have you have the ears of millions. I'm already at plus two because I made you two watch it the other day. Uh, uh, oh, I oh, forgot Kiki watched it that night. I was so upset watching it. I wasn't even reading like her responses about like her watching it. It was great because I'm sitting there watching something that was actually like of high quality and you're like literally blowing my phone up with videos and Kiki will post like every now and then she was like, this movie's great. It's the best. (laughs) I'm like, ah, the two reactions of people who are forced to watch this movie. (laughs) Some people go, this is the greatest thing ever. And the other people go, why did you force me to do this? Oh, it was my birthday. Say happy birthday to me. Happy birthday, JC. Yeah. Cord, say happy Happy birthday birthday to you. Cord. Uh, Happy birthday. Thanks, Cord. Don't say it. That's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Sexy voice. Happy birthday, JC. Happy birthday to you. I'm concerned. <laughs> anyway, much like that movie sucked the soul out of JC, today we're talking about some real suckers. Yeah. We're going with vampires, baby. <laughs> we gave you ghosts of theaters. We gave you werewolf stories in the last episode. And now we give you vampires in Pennsylvania, or more specifically, vampire burials in Pennsylvania. Hey. Yeah, this is where Kiki gets to get her anthropology on. Hell yeah. Oh, man. It's so fucking cool. And <laughs> you guys are going to get a, a bonus episode at some point, specifically about something that went on in Ohio, because holy shitballs, it's crazy. It's a crazy story. Uh, and the guy who perpetrated the crime. It's a great story. But anyway, that is for another time. Today, briefly touch on, on that at the end here. But first, uh, hey, guys, like, what do you guys know about anti-vampire burials or slash vampire burials you guys know any of the tropes uh sure i think most people know some of the tropes we we all know about the wood steak right okay yeah garlic okay isn't there something with the dirt they need they need to sleep above the dirt of their homeland in order to restore their powers that is that's the thing i don't remember if that's part of the burial i remember hearing stories of people most of the time I hear people digging up bodies they think were vampires, ripping the heart out and stabbing it with a wooden stake. That's the big one. There's there's the stakes. Uh, sunlight. Uh, sunlight's notoriously bad for vampires. Tell me, how do you bury a, a vampire with sunlight, JC? Because we're not, we're not talking about that. <laughs> what are we talking about? Oh I'm so God. sexually confused. Burying a, burying a vampire. So we're only talking about burying vampires and tropes related to that. Yes. 
in a world where vampires are real. Yes. Yeah. What precautions do you do after you already get rid of the vampire? I mean, there's the metal cages you can put over graves. The the metal you could put like metal cages over graves. But they can just turn into Possibly. mist. They can just turn into mist. That is true. That's the only burying one I know. Well, that are like big stone slabs. So uh, some of the ways, we're, we'll go over really quickly some of the ways that were used to prevent vampires from rising again. And this goes for people who were suspected of possibly being bitten by a vampire and those who people thought 100% were already vampires. And some of these traditions are going to vary depending on what area of the world you're from. And I'll kind of give you a little bit of an idea as we go along. So... Let's begin with the good old wooden stake through the hearts. I mean, that's like how I, that's how, that's how I like to start dates, putting a wooden stake in the heart. Minor theirs, it doesn't matter. Oh my God. I think this kind of goes without saying, but just in case there's some um, people who don't know, like vampires are like uh, a world thing. It's not just a European mythos. So like, there's a lot of different ways to deal with the vampire because they're, the, the lore comes from, like, all over the world. Where one place a wooden stake might work, something else would work in another country, essentially. And for the purposes of today's episode, I am sticking with mostly the European uh, versions of vampires. For, for a good reason. Yes. So, wooden stake through the heart, or even... The use of wood at all is actually the Christianized version of how to kill or disable a vampire. And this supposedly stems from the idea of Christ dying on a cross of wood, but Christians wind up eventually using some of the pagan knowledge and choosing the type of wood in order to stake said vampire. For example, the big one is that it was aspen pine was supposedly the wood that the cross was made of that Jesus was on. So this was always first and foremost the absolute Christian way to get rid of a vampire. But using some pagan traditions, you could have hawthorn, which is just used to protect against evil spirits in general. Fruit wood, like apple or cherry tree, for example, is considered to have more of an extra life-giving force within it because they bear fruit. And so kind of an interesting way of thinking that you can destroy the undead with something that's filled with more life. D&D players, keep that in mind. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I think that everybody in my D&D game should have to go find Applewood. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> make it more challenging. Ash is also feared by, quote, all evil things. And that's according to the Roman writer Pliny the Elder. A little side fact the tree Yggdrasil from Norse mythology is an ash tree as well. A lot, lot of good, got a lot of good stuff there against warding against evil with wood, right? But the first stakes were actually made from iron because, as with most magical creatures, such as jinn and fairies, iron is the way to kill them or keep them away. So a long iron stake was plunged into the torso, not necessarily with the heart, that actually came later. And uh, it was to stake the vampire directly to the ground so they could not rise again 
There is an example of this in 2012, Bulgarian archaeologists working near Sozopol found several centuries-old skeletons that had iron rods right through their chest and had impaled them to the ground. And in the Czech Republic, 5,000-year-old burials, well, they just laid heavy stones on top of their chest in an attempt to keep them from rising. Oddly enough, that's actually something that comes up a little bit later in England. The general public thought that he might be a vampire. So they, when they buried him, they placed heavy rocks on his chest. Of course, after the person's dead, a lot of times they were decapitated. So this would be like another way to make sure they don't rise again. And that head would be stuffed with garlic or their mouth would be stuffed with garlic. There's also, there's, there's all these other rituals about sticking items in the mouth. I hesitate to say the one about a brick because as archaeologists, we are not sure if this person in question, they actually had a brick stuffed in their mouth or if it was just that the brick was found lying near the head. So it's difficult to say in that particular burial if someone actually had the brick stuffed in their mouth. There was another burial that comes to mind where it's almost as if the tongue was removed, but there was, and there was a stone, a flat stone placed in their mouth. That's, but that could oh. be something else too. Right. If anyone agrees with the theory that vampirism is actually the disease porphyria, not only would someone suffering from this disease have erosion of the lips and gums, leading to a corpse-like fanged appearance, but individuals with the disease are also sensitive to light and intolerant to foods that have high sulfur content, such as garlic. And of course, if you're pagan, you know that garlic is also one of those all-around useful herbs to ward off evil spirits. So it had like both, in this case with vampirism, it had kind of a dual possibility here. One being the, what I consider to be the legendary use, and then one being a very possible uh, related directly to disease use. The third one, one of my favorites, uh, burying them face down. Because, you know, <laughs> you, just, you just bury them face down. You know why you do that? Because then they don't know which way is up. Yeah, they dig down instead of up. <laughs> Efficient. That's what that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard we could put a stake in it. Why don't we just bury them so they fucking dig? They dig deeper. I mean, it's, it's sooner or later the... Per I mean, there's ways to test which way you're actually going, even when you're underground, just, just so you're you're aware. And then the one prevention that we're going to be addressing today in a, in a minute here is the enclosure of the burial beneath a metal cage or a mort safe. Ah, see, JC, you were right. He mentioned the cage. He did mention the cage earlier, and I'm not sure because we had to redo a part here because... My connection got screwed up, but if I can save that, fine. If not, yeah, it was mentioned. Here's the thing, though. In the one that I was talking about where the guy was buried with the rocks on his chest, right? A mort safe was also put over top of that particular grave. And in that particular instance, the idea was to prevent anyone from exhuming the body in order to remove the stones. Furthermore, it could have been postulated that people could then put them over anyone else's grave just in case somebody wanted to exhume him and remove a stake, such as a vampire's familiar or another vampire ally. But there's a much more likely function of the Mort safe, which I will get into when I hit on that after I talk about this legend of the vampire crypt in Erie, Pennsylvania. Sweet. That's pretty eerie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bet you it's going to be an eerie story. 
It's not. You know why? Because Kiki likes to open up by debunking a bunch of bullshit first. Guys, 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 do you know how long it took me to find out the truth behind this particular crypt? 35 minutes. I was going to say about 10. Nice job, Cord. It was fucking 10 minutes, man. Hell yeah! 10 minutes. That's all it took. But what irritates me, here we go, paranormal community, that's everybody that has a blog. That's anybody who writes about this. It is perfectly fine to talk about the legend, which I will tell you guys what the legend is. But when it's so obviously easy to fix, like we have the real information, legit real information, historically accurate information, why continue the legend? When there's plenty of legends in Pennsylvania that we've already touched on that have historical facts behind them, right? So to me, they're like, they're legends, but they're like a little bit more likely to be true because there's a lot more backing it up, right? This one is so easily like debunked. It's ridiculous. There is a vampire crypt in Erie, Pennsylvania, located in the Erie Cemetery. Go figure. I already made the jokes. There you go. It is a mausoleum that's built into the side of a hill and it has no name inscribed on it. Apparently, this lack of a family name has led to a very peculiar legend, but the truth is that there's plenty of mausoleums out there that don't actually have names on them. And one that immediately came to mind when I was reading about this is the Egyptian revival crypt that's located at Sleepy Hollow Cemetery that I have photographs of that you guys can go on our Patreon and they're free to look at. They're ones that I put up there for you guys to see. It has no name on the outside, but if you contacted the cemetery itself, they have records of who the vault belongs to, right? So it, it does happen. Anyway, those who are, you know, not in the know about that, they kind of went off on a tangent and created this interesting story, I'll give you that, about that there is a vampire buried there. Uh, they also insist that there is a V above the door. Now, I'm sorry, it, if I'm a vampire... Am I going to advertise that by putting a big fucking V on the outside of my doorway into my mausoleum? Uh, it depends. Here's the thing. And hear me out on this. Vampires are basically humans that live a long time. And humans are fucking stupid. No, no. A hundred percent. Sorry. I would, I could see it happening is all I'm saying. Maybe the vampires from what we do in the shadows. Okay, but honestly... <laughs> And that's a comedy, if anybody has no go watch. But anyway, I mean, come on, man. You don't live to be that fucking old by advertising that you're an actual vampire. That's just dumb. Anyway, um, I'm just I'm just saying unless you got a unless you got a like real big head about it. Maybe, yeah, maybe he's overconfident. Also, apparently the guy who did this because it's a dude uh, was a Romanian wealthy businessman and apparently also liked to advertise the fact that he is a vampire. Huh. Well, he's a businessman. Maybe he's in advertising. Maybe, you know, hey, vampire, <laughs> come to my crypt. <laughs> so what business was he in that being a vampire would help? Uh, I'm selling made... life insurance. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was going to go for like the complete opposite and be like, I make wooden stakes. <laughs> <laughs> this would definitely kill me. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness okay so debunked because like i said you can actually contact a cemetery 
management will gladly talk to you about individual crypts and things. It's history. It's not a BFD. I'd, I'd also like to say that, like, now mausoleums are slightly different than gravestones, but, like, you have to pay, okay, for the gravestone. And then you have to pay for each word or letter or whatever that gets put on it or etched or whatever. So, like, maybe they just built a mausoleum and they, they were like, ah, we'll get the lettering on it later. And then they never did. In this case, it turns out that's a very, very good reason why there was no name put on the outside of it. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm excited. So, according to the cemetery management, this is called the Brown Vault. Like, brown, right? B-R-O-W-N. Brown. Shut the fuck up. It was owned by the Brown family. But records indicate that there are seven individuals buried in here, and all of them are from the Goodrich family. Now, it took me another five minutes to cross-reference the names Goodrich and Erie, Pennsylvania, to find out that there was a family member who had uh, basically a, a genealogy blog and mixed that with the uh, cemetery records and a census that was taken discovered exactly what happened here with this mausoleum. And it's, it's actually pretty, it's interesting. So it's the Goodrich family, but they understood the, that the Brown family owned the vault and they were also kind of confused about how all of this seemed to happen. It's due to a census mishap. Now, I've done my genealogy for my family and yes, it does happen, especially when, and this is the same exact case, you have someone who sometimes goes by the middle name rather than their first name. And uh, so when the sen- right, when the census person comes out, they got a little confused between Mary Goodrich and Gertrude Goodrich. And the census was accidentally at that time using Gertrude's middle name, which she's named after her mom, her mom's middle name, Mary, right? So they were getting confused and thinking that it was actually like Mary, but it was it was really Gertrude. Oh. It turns out it turns out that Gertrude is the only surviving child of George Goodrich, right? George and Mary. So in 1888, Gertrude's maternal grandmother's estate passed from her uncle to her. This included the mausoleum ownership. Okay. Unfortunately, her mother also passes away the same year. And later on in, the, in that year, Gertrude reinters several of her family members, the Goodriches, into the mausoleum. She, however, is married to Thomas Brown. So when okay. she inherits said mausoleum, she is no longer a Goodrich. She is Gertrude Brown. Thus, uh. on the records, it says that it's the Brown vault because she and her husband technically own it at this point. Now, it's interesting because something must have happened, and this is where records are a little weird, but a bunch of her family members, the Goodriches, were buried in a, in the same cemetery, but in a different section and in the ground. And as soon as she inherits the mausoleum, she disinters them and puts them inside the mausoleum, which also caused some confusion about what the hell was going on there. Gotcha. Now, Thomas must have owned plots in the Franklin Cemetery in Franklin, Pennsylvania, because that is where he and Gertrude are buried. So she is not, again, a little bit of confusion because there are no Browns buried in that vault. It's only the Goodrich family. Problem solved, man. 
There's no fucking vampires in the vampire crypts, okay? So uh, whoops. stop it. As for the V on the crypts, so if anybody's done any kind of research on symbolism from gravestones, I can kind of see where this sort of resembles the shape of a V. And I'll definitely post these, uh, po- post a couple pictures on our Patreon so that you guys can go look at it after you listen to this or if you pause it and listen while you're looking at the pictures. There is a, it kind of does resemble a V, but it's actually, to me, it looks like it's either a torch that's upright with acanthus leaves on either side, or it's like a vase holding a tulip with acanthus leaves on either side. And the acanthus leaves are mimicked on like two columns that are either on either side of the doorway. So there's like acanthus leaves and then uh, what looks to be like the British rose. Acanthus leaves and tulips and even a torch upright all symbolize eternal life in some way. It's all accoutrements of any mausoleum that I've seen anywhere that has this particular things on it. So I, I could go on and on forever about what all these flowers and everything mean on every gravestone, but that's... I don't know. Maybe that's a Kiki's quirks at some point. Who the fuck <laughs> it's it's really super interesting, but but it's funny how like you'll see what you want to see though, right? You know. So, dear Pennsylvania bloggers, please stop talking about the fucking vampire crypt in Erie, Pennsylvania. It's not real. <laughs> it all has a perfectly good explanation, and as for not putting a name on the outside of it. I believe that probably has something to do with the inheritance because was it going to be the good rich family's mausoleum or was it going to be Gertrude Brown and her family's mausoleum? And I believe that her father ultimately did not put the name on the outside because he probably didn't believe he was going to be buried in it. He probably thought that it would be his children and their families and therefore could possibly have multiple last names. Like if your your daughter and their husband, you know, want to be buried there, they're not going to have good rich. It's not going to be a last name. I think it was purposefully left empty just in case it needed to be something different or not have a name at all. And then the cemetery management would just know who was buried there. That all makes sense to me. Right? It's so simple. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sometimes the simple simplest explanation is the correct one hey everybody that's here might not have the same last name so right <laughs> right i mean you know they they definitely knew gertrude was married by then so they definitely knew that brown was her last name so and and then unfortunately she winds up being the um, outliving her siblings and you know anyway good story um so let's move on to something that is actually super interesting. I almost want to say this becomes a Pennsylvania or peculiar Pennsylvania episode because I was pleased to find out that this is a one of a kind thing that isn't found anywhere else in the United States. What? We got it, baby. We got it. Hold on. Say that again. What happened? What I'm about to talk to you guys about is something that right now, as of right now, is not anywhere else in the United States. Yeah, yeah. It's That's just we number one. That's right. We're number one over here. <laughs> we're the best. United States of Pennsylvania. Yeah, we're the best. We're the best. That's why. we special. I know. <laughs> and that awesome thing I'm going to talk about right now is what's known as the caged or hooded graves 
of Columbia County, Pennsylvania. Sweet. These are also the only example of this particular type of cage that exists pretty much anywhere. They are very unique. <laughs> oh my God, don't die. But if you do, contact us. Contact us. <laughs> I want people all over the world to say that every time. So they don't die, but if you do. <laughs> oh. I'm now looking at pictures of the hooded graves. Yes, and, and again, I will try to share some of those uh, photographs with you guys. I will begin by using a paper that was written by Anne Disserode or Dicerode. I'm not really sure how to say her last name. She wrote it for the Columbia County Historical and Genealogical Society newsletter. And it's called Cages on Graves Explained. So I used some of her research for this and then also, um, of course, my own research. But it would be a lot easier to explain them since it's a visual and we are a podcast. I'm going to use the explanation on here. So this is a quote from her paper. They do resemble Victorian bird cages. They do. I was thinking yeah. that they looked like bird cages. Yes. Or a conservatory without glass. Yeah. So each structure, and this is her quote, each structure is not quite three feet wide, about six feet long, and just over four and a half feet tall at the ridge pole. The sides are made of heavy wire crossing diagonally in a pattern of diamonds about the size of those in ordinary chain link fence. The wire of the grave hoods is much stiffer and heavier, however. The grooves quote unquote, are constructed of gracefully curving parallel iron bars, slightly less than half an inch in diameter and spaced about three inches apart. Yeah, it's kind of shaped like a Hershey kiss it's for dum-dums like me. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it does. It does. It has that like graceful, like upward slants into a little filigree top. A hinge door at the foot end was originally fitted to accommodate a padlock. However, when the cages were quote-unquote restored and rebuilt several years ago, this detail was not replicated. Thank you, Anne, because that's honestly the best way to describe it. So these guys are located in Catawissa, Pennsylvania. The graveyard is officially called Old Mount Zion, and it's a very small cemetery that holds mostly women and children. I tried to dig into this. I believe so far as anybody can tell, there is only one gravestone of a man in the entire thing. It's kind of up on a little hill. It's very peaceful. Looks very peaceful and beautiful, actually. So there were once three cages covering the graves of three women, but it has been noted that one of them was removed in the 1960s. Uh, apparently that one was in such disrepair that it could not be redone. So they just had to remove it. Mm. So currently the cages cover the graves of Sarah Ann Boone and Aseneth Thomas both of who died in June of 1852. The third cage may have been the grave of Rebecca Clayton, who died just a few weeks before the other women. All three women were related by marriage or blood to the Thomas family. No cause of death was recorded, but many speculated that Aseneth died in childbirth as she unfortunately passed away only five days after giving birth, and then her baby daughter is buried just a little bit away from her and she passed away at four months old. So she did not survive. Hmm. That's unfortunate. Yes. So on the surface, there seems to be no reason for these intricate cages to adorn the gravesites. 
we're going to talk about the whole vampire thing again in a moment. Stick with me, okay? But what's interesting is that the Thomas family held managerial positions within the iron industry. Several family members were iron masters in furnaces on the south side of the Susquehanna River. That was a big deal. That's that's money. Yes. So the possibility of the cages being just decorative does sort of also jive with the elaborate headstones for each of the women. So you think about both of those things together, these beautiful cages and the headstones, it kind of showcases the family's wealth as well as their connection to the iron industry. Of course, the more romantic theory is that the cages were built to keep the women from rising again because they were vampires. Always a possibility. Right. <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, as I said in the beginning, the, the Mort safes were thought by some to basically hold a vampire in place or prevent uh, vampiric allies from freeing them. However, I know that the spooksters out there know their real function. That is to keep grave robbers out. Yes. And many of you are probably true crime fanatics and are very well aware and familiar of the major problems of grave robbery in places like Edinburgh, for example, where that practice gave rise to the ghouls, Burke and Hare, who took it a step further in case you guys don't know who they are. They took it a step further than just grave robbing and just decided to kill people and sell their bodies for science. They got tired of digging the holes. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they got tired of digging holes and was like, hey, let's get the fucking middleman here and just uh, kill him. Let's just kill him and sell him, baby. So Mort safes are first used in Scotland. And the basic idea is to put it around or on top of a new grave to keep robbers out. And after about six months, because the body begins to putrefy, right, and is no longer really usable for autopsies at this point, that cage would then be removed and rented out to another person. The mort safe idea occurs because it's cheaper than creating a mausoleum. The rich people could have mausoleums and, you know, and gated doors and things. And I did read a story about was a, a wealthy man who was in the parish and absolutely hated the idea of anyone being, you know, stolen, whether they had money or not. And so he had this big slab constructed that he donated to the church cemetery and then that slab was put over top of anyone's grave that you know couldn't afford a mort safe and it was just moved you know from place to place and i thought oh that's really that's very nice you know because it's always the poor people that are getting screwed mm -hmm. in her paper Anne postulates that this is probably the reason for the cages around these particular graves we're gonna have to do a whole episode on this this is crazy I did not realize how bad grave robbing was in Ohio. And it seems like a long way away because it's like 240 miles away from where this horrible grave robbing stuff is going on in Ohio from Catawissa, Pennsylvania. But it turns out that rural cemeteries began being targeted because they had a sense of security. They're like, oh, well, it's way out of the way. No one's going to think to put anybody on guard and put these graves, right? Or there's definitely not going to be any, like, mausoleums out there. These are simple rural people. They're just, you know, it's just a regular burial. So they would started targeting these rural areas. In 1850, in Catawissa, which is uh, a little bit before they died, right? So they're, they're dying in 1852. You have uh, several medical school graduates in the area. And I'm going strictly on one particular news article possible illegal dissecting going on 
in Catawissa Ugh. area. And there were also some sev- several bodies missing from local graves. Now, Anne, you know, fa- basically found that same information. And she made the connection between the Thomas family and one of those doctors. And that guy was a Dr. McElvey. It turns out that, that Sarah Ann, second girl who passed away, her husband was his cousin. Interesting. So the theory is that Dr. McElvey heard about the possibility of Sarah Ann's body being stolen, informed his cousin, and then the Thomas family paid the extra money to have that cage put on her. Unfortunately, when their daughter-in-law passes away just a few weeks later, they go ahead and do the same thing for her, too. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. I I imagine it's not exactly cheap to get that done, but I'm surprised that that's not more common if it was such a problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, this is the 1850s, right? Mm-hmm. We have some problems in Ohio that I really want to do a separate story on that shit because, oh my God, it's fucking crazy. And I think our listeners would probably appreciate it because it's so macabre. It's so fucking macabre and awful. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not doing it today. I'm not doing it today. It, it really has to be its own separate thing because it's so crazy. Word. But we had something in this country that was not happening in Scotland or England. Because I, I wanted to know why, right? Why is there not any other of these mort safes anywhere else even in the whole country and i can't believe like we're just lucky enough to have them here in our state mm-hmm. and i have one word a one word answer slavery interesting okay, because yeah. yes so why uh why would the entire country not have them they wouldn't need mort safes because they actually employed black folks to encourage other black folks to give they're dead to science for money. Oh. Or in the worst case scenario, you are owned by a person who then considers that they own you in the afterlife as well and doesn't bury you and sells your body to science without your rest of your family members knowing about it. That's upsetting. I don't like that one at all. Nope. Nope. Dislike. That's not good. Dislike. It was also... I, just just to be fair, it was also happening in the North with freed slaves. They would go to freed black men, for example, and say, hey, we'll pay you extra money if you can convince other black folks to let us have their bodies instead of burying mm. them. And, it, and that did happen, too. So it was it was a little bit of both. So resurrectionists, as they're called in merry old UK. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, they existed here, but it wasn't quite as bad because we had the guy so gross to say it's like we had this expendable like you know dead people that Uh. that quote unquote no one cared you know like just so instead of instead of our poor being targeted right it was the slaves who were being targeted and what the hell were they going to do about it okay they they would be lucky they'd be lucky if they got paid for something like that because in the sucks. end, they could just take it. <laughs> uh, that's bad. That's a bad rat. It's like so. It's so fucked up. And I, I was like, yeah, why aren't there any? And I happened to cross an article from a Virginia Historical Society that was 
that focused on on cemeteries and they were writing the article about you know why aren't there more mort safes like in general why are there none in virginia and they were very at least extremely honest about it i was like oh god damn it <laughs> what the fuck well <laughs> there now it I'm is sad. <laughs> er. yeah yeah that's yeah yeah i know right like yeah we suck Fucking white people I again. love this country. <laughs> God damn it. Okay, but I want to leave on a ha- I want to leave on a lighter note. Okay. So, here's the thing. I'm going to give you guys a little taste of what I'm talking about when it comes to the Ohio debacle. Okay. Some of you out there again who are true crime nuts might know about the huge debacle that happened in Ohio. But do you know that there was a device that was made. Okay. It was, it was patented. It was made. I'm not exactly sure if it was tested. I, I haven't gotten to that yet because that's for another episode, but I will tell you this. It worked like this. If you went to steal a body from a grave, there was an explosive that would detonate and blow you to smithereens. That's how bad the grave robbing was in Ohio at the time that this device was actually patented. Wait, so if if you went to so like the body that the grave robbers was trying to steal would just blow up? No, it was it was a it would be an explosive that like would blast towards you. Oh, kind of like what Claymore does. What a Claymore or C4. Again, I have to look into actually how it was made, but I just read about it and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> That's pretty bonkers. <laughs> I know. And that's just the tip of the iceberg on that particular episode that I'm already starting to write because I was like, oh, my God, we got to talk about this. This is nuts. Yeah. Cemetery stuff in this country is absolutely crazy. That's that's what I got today for vampire shit in Pennsylvania. (laughs) Vampire shit. That sounds terrible. The possible vampires of Pennsylvania. So we always get that like Pennsylvania sounds like Transylvania. Apparently, no actual vampires were harmed in the making of this podcast. Unfortunately. Oh, uh, so speaking of uh, <laughs> vampires, our featured music today is from Kentucky Vampires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Got him again. Got him again <laughs> with their song Falling Sun off their album Crimson Curse, which you can find on Spotify and you can purchase it on Bandcamp like I did because this whole album is perfect and this song is just made for spooky season i love this song so much i hope you guys do too and it is a song that's on our forthcoming mission spooky halloween spotify playlist hey which i have been curating and working on so goddamn hard sweet it is almost done i will tell you about that in the uh c-section here coming up so listen to the falling sun and uh when we get back, we'll do Spooky Squad news and shout outs.
Welcome back, you sons of witches and daughters of sorcerers. That's what I'm going to go with today. That's a little different. I like it. I like it. I've been working on this um, Spotify playlist for you guys. Uh, I thought it'd be like fun because I have also gotten into a podcast called Playlist Wars and I might be on that show. I don't know yet. We're going to see when they when they hit on a particular topic, they're going to try to make it work and we'll see. And that's going to be a lot of fucking fun because you guys know how much I love music. Thick. But this is a really cool playlist. It's kind of like the beginning of it. I, I feel like it's like your cocktail hour, right? Like your spooky cocktail hour. You're kind of like either getting dressed up, right? Or you're arriving at the party and you're kind of having some gin and tonics and just chilling. Then it ramps up a little bit. And then we go full on like fucking dance party shit. Spooky dance party. And then we kind of bring it down, start bringing it down, bring it down. And then we end on like some just cool ass psychedelic chill out music. Word. Like you're fucked up at the party and you're just like, I just want to, I just want to lay here. Or possibly, I don't know, go home and make love to your significant other. That, that works too. So it's like over four hours of music already. Damn, that's a lot of music. Putting my DJ skills to work. Anyway. That's what's coming out. And I'd like to give a huge shout out to our latest Patreon member, Skull Queen, baby. Thank you so much for supporting us. Yay. I, I want to give a special uh, shout out to a friend of mine named Katie who has started listening to us. She's a hero. We, we used to work together way back in the days. And uh, she's been liking the content so far. Or so she says. She's very nice. So like... <laughs> hashtag doubt it she could just be like oh yeah you guys are wonderful i love it how wonderful and it all be lies and deceit because i don't know i trust zero people except you cord dta man stone cold taught me that lesson but yeah hell yeah thanks i also want to give a huge congratulations to our buddies over at lost legends tales of thern because they were like ranked at number 44 Four on Good Pod's list of just um, indie shows. So, dude, that is fucking baller. Sick. I love. I love when my friends are doing like fucking great. And just to reiterate, in the in the last episode of Tales of Thern, I did a voice for them for one of the characters. I'm not gonna say anything else. No spoilers. You guys will also know like Logan and Ben from Cordverse Scripted. The Lalachusa episode, right? And uh, Lalachusa episode was Ben and Logan did Van Meter. And then yes. we took a break because of spooky season. You know, we want to just stay spooky. And then we're going to be doing the Alba Twitch <sighs> in December. <sighs> and Logan <sighs> won that. So it's on like Donkey Kong. I'm excited for the whistling. It's on like Simon the Bob. Those guys are cool as frick. I was a yeah. I had a good time listening to those episodes, even though I wasn't invited. <clears throat> I should no, say I wasn't invited. I just yeah. Uh, had you were invited. In my fucking life. You didn't, you didn't want to wake up that early because we did those recordings in the morning. I think. <laughs> no, I was probably just at work or that on Good Pods. I'm trying to be more involved on on there. You know, just try to give other podcasts a listen. And since I am also a gamer. There's a, a newer podcast. They're only like episode 20-something. 
It's called Gaming Together, and it's all about mostly console games that you can play cooperative. I'm going to be beefing up Patreon a lot more after Beef. November into December. God, I mean, I have a whole ton of stuff that I want to record, but it's just been trying to find the time to do it. And also, my whole entire family got like super sick, so that was no fun. I'm still not 100%, but it's it's cool. I, I think I don't sound too bad right now because I had no voice at all for like two days. My husband enjoyed it. Um, Wow, no laughter on that one. I thought for sure you guys would laugh at that. I didn't think that was a joke. I uh, honestly yeah. enjoyed it. <laughs> like, I'm not even trying to be. I literally thought that Doug was like, thank God. Thank God. And then I didn't want to, like, piss you off anymore because I'm like, mm, that sounds like a touchy subject. Anymore. <laughs> well, any, like, I didn't want to piss you off on that subject in a more hide it way i don't know i okay. barely know what i'm okay. trying to say oh my god that is 100 percent true um yeah so follow us on patreon you don't have to be a member to have access to some things that are free like photographs etc follow me on instagram mission spooky is mostly me on that one i'm posting the things that i'm watching so i've also watched a whole bunch of horror films which I may or may not actually review on the podcast. It's just, you know, I've watched them. Obviously, follow us on TikTok. It's been a hot minute again because I was really sick. But we did do three different three-minute long TikToks of JC complaining about Birdemic. I'm pretty sure it was four of them. Uh, dude. Oh, was it four? Because we did Aftermath. That's right. It was like the three yeah. and then the Aftermath. Yeah. There were so many little videos that JC sent to us that I literally fell asleep watching them. Because <laughs> she was blowing up her phone. <laughs> it was funny. Uh, um, to be fair, Facebook only lets you record in the app up to 20 second videos. So that's what I was doing because it was the easiest. I got lost in the sea of videos like <laughs> a whole bunch of times. I didn't know which one I was on. I'm like, how many did he send? There's seven in a row. I had things to say. I had things to say that needed to be said. <laughs> and and those things can be heard <laughs> on TikTok. And also, I did make a little area on Instagram. If you're not into TikTok, you can just go to Instagram and you'll see JC rant on film. And that's it. So obviously, you can follow us on Twitter and on Good Pods. We also have a tip jar now in Good Pods. So if, you know, giving money every single month is like not a, not for you, but you'd like to help me out with purchasing books, for example, for my research material, and you just want to give us a tip, then that's that's basically where that money goes. Some of the money is is building up and we're setting it aside for our own paranormal investigative team, which is basically just going to be the three of us, honestly. Fuck everybody else. I'm, I don't want anybody else in here. Fuck those uh, people. We'll have other people. <laughs> because He's here's like, the we'll thing, Kiki. People. I don't yeah. want to set up all the equipment myself. Oh my god. I no, what? there's a lot of hear me out. You guys oh haven't done actual paranormal investigations. Like with the like it's a lot of cords, it's a lot of equipment, it's just a lot and I'm lazy. I want minions to take care of that for us. I will also say though that I am currently reading the original book from the 1970s on paranormal investigator investigation. You know 
what you need, literally what you need to do a not a lot. A pen and a, a pen, piece of paper, a notebook and a flashlight. That's it. And we're going to get into that. Hey. In we are, we are going to break down the myths and legends of paranormal fucking equipment. Not just equipment, fucking equipment. Hey, yeah. I got I got all that stuff that I still haven't used that I bought. That whole ghost ghost exploration. Send it back. It's useless. Nope. I'm, I, I still want to use it. Cord, we'll go to the graveyard. We'll use it soon. If you want to use a tip jar, that's fine. Also, on Anchor, it's not a place that people go to to listen to the podcast directly. Most of most of the time, it's Apple or Spotify, uh, or our wonderful listeners in India are listening on Ghana. You can go to Anchor though, and on certain episodes, we'll have questionnaires or polls that you can take. Even if you don't listen to the episode, you can still go there and just click on the episode and see if there's anything that you know there's something that you want to respond to. And there is also the same kind of like tip jar type thing where if you wanted to donate uh, a one-time only kind of thing. And I'm seriously considering because another podcast that I absolutely love does this, just having an Amazon wish list of material and books. Because then I think that's really nice if somebody just, you know, well, I only, you know, I just want to buy this book for you for $10. You know, like that helps. That helps us. Plus I have it. And then most of these books are useful for multiple episodes. So that'd be pretty cool. I'm I'm considering it. I think it's a neat idea and it's something more you know, like it's not necessarily a monthly thing that people don't always have to. Give yeah, just buy us that. the equipment and then we don't need them. Yeah, just I like <laughs> that. That's fine. Just straight up buy the equipment for us. So, you know, we're not using it for like hookers and blow. <laughs> <laughs> OK. <laughs> I mean, I am on this podcast. We we just got to be. I believe in being honest. I would never. Wink, wink, never use your money for hookers and blow. Wink, wink. Unless our money came from Twitch. Oh, yeah. Twitch money is 100%. That's Twitch money is for hookers That's and blow. For, for sure. Blow. Patreon money is not. No, that that goes. That has other purposes. Patreon's for research purposes only. You may eventually get something out of it, but most of it's just going to be clout. I'm OK with that. And bragging rights. I'm not okay with that. I'm a terrible bragger. I'm very humble in person. For those of you who don't know JC, that was what we like to call a lie. <laughs> a lie. <laughs> <laughs> An exaggeration of the actual truth. A stark raving lie. We're going to have our first segment that JC is putting out that's D&D related. We already said that... Uh, Cord versus Cryptid returns in December, and then Soil Sessions will start in November. Oh, yeah. And we got a lot of shit going on, man. We got so much shit. All right. Well, taking us out once again today is the Kentucky Vampires with their song, The Falling Sun, off of their album Crimson Curse, which you can find on Spotify, and you can purchase it on Bandcamp. You'll see that not only did I purchase it, but I also reviewed it because I'm working on doing that right now for all of our fantastic bands. So close to Halloween, so stay spooky and don't die. But if you do, contact us. Through rattling the cages atop your grave. Hear the voice of the 